are listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their field, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter is your forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. Good morning. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and we have a very special guest for you today. Uh, Unprecedented, as a matter of fact. I want to introduce you to Mr. Simon Trezelian. Hi, Winifred. How are you this morning? Wonderful. Thank you for coming and being with us today. This is a real special treat, and Simon is not your average, ordinary fellow. He is not only what he calls himself an inspirational warrior, and he truly is, and when you, you get to hear all the things that he's involved in in this show, it's going to blow your mind. But Simon was a counter-terrorist commander. He was an interrogator and an intelligence operator for 19 years. But he has a very unique twist on all of that lifestyle as a special operations agent. He has now gone into inspiring people back to their spiritual nature and taking them on not only journeys, but walking into corporations and turning them around with his unique way of seeing the world and taking them back to who they really are. So welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, I'd like to kind of jump in and introduce people to your history, first of all. How is it that you came to even be involved in the military in this type of high-level, um, you know, operations that you, you obviously engaged in across the world? Well, I think nothing is ever wasted in life. Um, I have always wanted to be a soldier. I was a, a karate prodigy when I was very young at 13. I made the British team at, at 16. So I had this warrior nature around me. Everything that I did, everything I read, everything I was interested in um, had to do with the the spirit of warriors, not necessarily just being a soldier. Uh, and I did find out at a very early age that <clears throat> from a, a warrior perspective, it was, it was a, a very much a defending energy. I, I had no reason to go out and want to you know, wage war, but I did know that I was a custodian in some way. I was a, a protector. Um, and that is something that has been borne out through all of my years, uh, right up to today with some of the charitable social um, give back that I do as well. And so you have actually gone ahead and taken some of that and created a series of books and soon to be movies or TV shows with the information that you you learned and and mastered really you're a master of of certain skills and you've taken those skills now and turned them into additional programs and books and movies so tell us a little bit about where you're going with that yes as liam neeson said you know i have certain skills (laughs) um and uh, and and essentially, again, nothing is wasted. To be a to be a true warrior, you have to have uh, self discipline. You have to know who you are, because 
who you are will be found out. You know, you can't BS your way on a battlefield. You know, you will be found for what you are. So I always found that it was, it was a, there was a structure to some of the uh, training that I did. And it was that structure that allowed me the framework to be able to put other things on. So for instance, you know, we would have this thing called state strategy skills so that you would only do anything when in the correct, most powerful or most appropriate state. No one wants to be in a helicopter and then someone says, oh, my God, I hope we're not going to die. You know, that's the last thing you want. So so you, you actually only do things when you're in the correct state and you can manifest that state. You have a choice on which state you want to be. You can be you can be in fear or you can be fearless. So when you're in that state and only in that state, you then look to adopt the correct, most powerful or most appropriate strategy. Now, strategy is the ability to engage an opponent at a place and time of your choosing. That is the, the, the real look at what strategy actually is. So when you then are in the correct state and now you're adopting the correct strategy, then you start to apply the correct, most powerful or most appropriate skills. And it's this 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 process of being great state, great strategy, great skills leads inevitably to great success. Uh, so when I got out of the, of the military, I decided to stop jumping out of airplanes and ruining everyone's day, which is essentially what I did for a long time. Um, I decided that I would take these skills, which are hard won, you know, and basically they were, I suppose, forged in the fires of adversity and you know, and some of the more problem areas of life. Um, and I thought, let's craft this into something so that people could get the same benefits that I had achieved uh, without the pain and, and without the problems. So, so that's essentially what I did. And I found that the easiest way uh, to create this is through the written word, uh, through my spoken word, on, on whether it be interviews or, or lectures. And now, as we're enhancing this, we're going to take this to the big screen um, so that more people can embrace the true energy of the warrior without actually having to go to war and experience all the negative forms uh, of the warrior. And that's, that's my, my goal now. That's a beautiful goal. And I'm excited to not only see what you're going to produce, but to read it as well. I think that, you know, your skills and background and story are so very unique. It's obviously not common that people have the background that you do. Have you ever found your, yourself in a place of abject terror? Have you ever been really frightened? Um, I think if I wouldn't, if I hadn't experienced that, then I wouldn't be the person that I am. And I certainly wouldn't be doing my job correctly um, if we weren't there. You know, I mean, most of the time, and it has to be said, when you're a special forces operator, there's a lot of waiting around. You know, it's not like the films where they've got an hour and a half to, to show you as much action as possible. You know, you could go for days, weeks and months with nothing happening. And then all of a sudden you've got 30 seconds of abject terror and horror and all the things that you really don't want in life. It's not necessarily a glamorous situation. Um, and it's during those times uh, that you either rise or you fall. And, and that largely comes down to your training. Um, but mostly it comes down to your character uh, about who you are, because in that moment, you actually find out who you are. Um, and it's, it's not sugar coated. So, so in that way, I, I am very pleased um, that I was able to rise to those, uh, those situations and come through it 
and live to tell the tale. Absolutely. Um, you know, Absolutely. so, you know, the fact that I'm here, you know, it's, it's, I remember t- seeing a T-shirt not so long ago and it says, careful boy, I am old for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, what is fear? And can you give us an example of something that you overcame that was a pivotal changing point for not only your career, but your life philosophy? Well, I always say that, um, you know, fear literally means false evidence appearing real because, you know, the whole element of fear is a natural thing. And there's only two actual natural fears in life, and that's loud noises and falling. Everything else is a contrived fear. It means you've learned it. You know, um, people could be fearful of relationships. They're fearful of going broke. But you only find out about that when you adopt those fears from someone else. You're not actually born with that. So I, I think fear gives us an ability to be able to make choices about who we actually are in that moment. You know, they often say that we only ever take action on what we believe to be true about ourselves in that point in time. And and I've had a number of, of experiences where you're thrust into a situation where, you, you know, you really don't know. You don't know for sure whether you're going to get through it or not. I mean, literally, I've been upside down in a car under ice, had to shoot my way out of the car, um, I actually blacked out and fell out of an aeroplane at 20,000 feet and came to without a rib cord. You know, managed to get a, a reserve out and reserve shootout and hit the trees. You know, I've been bombed, I've been mortared and I've almost been kicked to death in a riot there. Now, all of those different things didn't necessarily involve, you know, bravery per se, but they, they gave me the experience of being able to embrace fear. And, you know, as they say, fear, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And, and I think you can, you can fold and you can take the fear as a reality and, and become a victim. Or you can embrace the fear, do what you know best and become a victor. Uh, and I always choose to be a victor. And, and that's the basis of my training now. Um, it's what I uh, hope to be able to utilize um, so that other people can rise. And, and not, you know, in order to, with, with fear, see the thing about fear is that when you bow to fear, you're act, actually saying that something external to you has an effect, a debilitating effect on you. And that's not true. Uh, fear r- involves the unknown. Uh, I remember when I started parachuting uh, and I went to the parachute center and there's this huge mu- mural on the wall. It's the first thing you see when you go in there. And it says, knowledge dispels fear. And, and it's true. You know, you could be afraid of a dark alleyway, but it's not the dark alleyway you're afraid of. You know, but if I was to say to you that in that dark alleyway is a mugger, you know, and a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you probably don't want to go down there. (laughs) But that's not fear anymore now. That's called discernment. So what I try to do now is give people as much knowledge as possible, knowledge about their circumstances, knowledge about themselves, knowledge about their character, um, knowledge about the, the actual opponents that they face. When you have that knowledge, the fear disappears. Because now you have discernment. Now you can make choice based upon the knowledge as opposed to being subjected to making decisions based purely upon fear. Well, if you were to take fear 
On the other side of fear is light, I would say. Have you taken fear and turned it into light in a moment that has changed you? Um, it's interesting you, you perceive it as light because, of course, what light does is it illuminates. And when you have illumination on something, you pass a light over it, it becomes clearer. Um, and I think that having a belief that, that something good will come, that light will come as a consequence, and you know, obviously the word consequence, a, a connected sequence of events, creates this light which will illuminate either your frailties it will illuminate your skills, it will illuminate your character, and therefore you see things clearly. It may not be what you want to see, and that's the thing, but at least you see it clearly. When you see it clearly, you have more information, and when you have more information or more knowledge, then that gives you the ability to do that. So I've had it on a number of occasions where, you know, I'm going, well, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, yeah, this is painful, this is bad, um, and you know what? If I don't get out of it, then I'm not going to care. So what I might as well do is just really push myself, delve into what I know to be true about myself and apply that in that moment. And you know what? Every time it worked. Uh, so I now use this as a strategy. You know, I thought, well, I'll just do my best because at some point, guess what? We're all going to die. No one gets out of here alive. So I might as well just do the best that I can. And if there is a judgment, if there is a pearly gates or whatever, I can actually hand on heart say, you know what? I took what you gave me and I gave it my best shot. And on that note, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God. These healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com. You voted show host Winifred Adams Writer of the Year for her Making Life Brighter consciousness columns, Entertainer of the Year two years running for her Making Life Brighter radio show, and Humanitarian of the Year for the third year running for her healing work and work at John of God. Medical intuitive and host of the Voice America Making Life Brighter radio show, Winifred Adams is your resource for wellness and consciousness training. A master healer for 20 years with a worldwide and celebrity clientele, Winifred uses her unique gifts 
to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to makinglifebrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and we have special guest Simon Trezelian, who is not only an inspirational warrior, he is an author, he's a filmmaker, a producer, he's an inspirational speaker, and he will turn your life around with the training that he's had in special operations uh, for all these years. My goodness, he is a profound speaker, and he is someone that has skills that he's going to offer us today. So I want to go back in and talk a little bit about your training and what it took to do what you did. And if that training then prepared you for situations or if you had to think on the fly, like how did the training itself change a situation for you and how did your connection change a situation for you? Well, with Special Forces training, everyone knows what they're getting into largely so so what they do is that they select from the usually the top three percent of the army navy air force and marines certainly from the british point of view um and then you're all lumped together and then they they try and weed you out um and they weed you out through you know physical discomfort um everyone gets their fit everyone gets their motivated so how do they draw it down to take you from a hundred people of the best to four which is normally what would, what would um, succeed. So we were selected largely not on how fit we were, but how we responded to stimulus. So how we responded to stress, um, how we responded to situations where our honesty or our integrity or our judgment would be questioned. You know, these are things you can't prepare for. And therefore, if you can't prepare, you just have to be you. <laughs> and that's, of course, what they're looking for. You don't know what they're looking for. You can, you can try and, and put on all the BS things that you want to do. Um, but at the end of the day, you have no idea what they're looking for in that moment. So once you get over that and you stop grandstanding, um, you actually start just being who you want to be. And they either want it or they don't. So 
it, what they try to do is put you in as many real-time situations where your judgment, character, and all these things are going to come to the fore and be questioned. And the more times you do that, the more you get used to the trust the trust in yourself, the trust in the others around you, who, of course, have gone through the same selection process. And, and I think that's really, really important. No one can train for every eventuality. It simply doesn't exist. You can train for a 100 eventualities, and it's going to be number 101 that you're going to get faced with under Murphy's Law. So you can only train so, so much, but your character is always going to be forefront. If you have the right people trained at the right places with the, for the, and they're motivated for the right ways and they're resourced in the right way as well, then whatever is going to happen, you're likely to have more positive outcome than not. I mean, and it really is as simple as that. So lots of training, lots of eventualities, but it all comes down to who you are. What do you think makes a character that can think on the fly for a proper outcome? values. Um, if, if you have someone with, with the correct values, they're always likely to make the best decision in the long term. So we all have had to make decisions um, that are very negative in the short term, and that's just unfortunate. Um, but if you keep a, a broader viewpoint and saying, right, my if I don't compromise my values, we're largely going to get to do the right things for the right reasons. Um, and I think um, values and character are, are probably more uh, powerful than skills. You know, you'll always find skills. You can always learn skills. You can't learn character. Um, what is the most important value to you? Wow. Um, it's a great question because I have a number of values. I, I always like to believe I'm doing the right things for the right reasons. How about um, the top three? Um, certainly um, justice. I, I think, and not just a justice from a legal perspective. Um, what I mean by justice is doing what is actual, what, what is lawful, not necessarily what is legal. Uh, and I've done a lot of illegal things, I can tell you, but all of them have been lawful. Um, I think that is a really powerful one. Uh, I also believe that we should protect the most vulnerable um, in our society. And, and I think that's, that speaks a lot about our character as well, the fact that we can recognise that and that we're not exploiters, um, that we are, in, we are enablers of people to be, become better than they, they thought that they could be. I think that's really important. Um, and, and, and what I found, certainly with, with my team as well, none of them could be bought. <laughs> money was just... You don't go into this, this job for money, I assure you. Um, so once you can get out of the situation where you become an ideologist as opposed to a mercenary, um, then things really, really happen because you have, to, you have to have an anchor point and that anchor point comes back down to your values, your identity, what you think you're protecting, you know, what are you the custodian of? And, and if you have all of that as a, as a deep anchor point, that's the firmness of your foundations. The deeper those foundations go, then the, the more rock solid you're going to be in any decision that you have to make uh, in, in that moment. Have you ever thought that you're missing a skill, that you'd like to do something better? 
you know what? One of the things I've always wanted to do, never got the around to it, was actually playing a musical instrument. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that. <clears throat> it's bizarre. I, I you know, um, my, my, my family never had the money to to buy my tri- trombone or guitar, whatever they wanted to do at music school. Um, I, I think that that allows a creation process, which I think is very beautiful. And, and I've always marveled at people that can just pick up an instrument, you know, and, and just do it. It's just incredible. So that's a skill I'd like to have had. I mean, I get my creative juices running now with writing books. And, and for a guy that actually flunked English at school, I mean, literally, I was out of school at 15 and, uh, and in special forces by 18. Um, you know, it's quite amazing. And yet, you know, I was one of the security advisors to Margaret Thatcher. I've briefed five heads of state on national security. I've, I've trained Fortune 500, you know, CEOs. And I've written five books. So my English can't be that bad now. Um, but it is, that's an adapted skill, I think. And, and I think I only, you know, I've only adapted that because I, I have to be able to communicate this. Otherwise... Everything that I've ever done in life will die with me. And, and that, to me, is a, is, is a horrific prospect. I don't have any fear. I don't fear any man. I don't fear anything at all. My only fear is not achieving my purpose. That scares the hell out of me. Because the thought that I would have had to have gone through all of these things and then for it not to matter or for two generations down, people go, you know, who's that guy? You know... I think it's really important that in, in our life, when we go through, especially the hard parts of our life, we've got to know that it matters. Um, otherwise, it's a pretty sad world in existence, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, you have to have a purpose. And I think that more, more importantly, you have to have a place to direct your purpose. And what do you feel about inspiration? I mean, you've had some extraordinary life experiences on one side of the fence. But you've also had extraordinary experiences on a spiritual side of the fence. Yeah, I had a spiritual uh, awakening at eight years old. And, and really, it's one of these things that you don't expect and, and it's unasked for. Um, and I've, I try to deny it because it doesn't fit the official narrative. You know, it doesn't fit the official narrative of religion. It doesn't fit the original you know, narrative of society a lot of the times because people fear what they don't understand. Um, and I had that all the way through. I've now embraced that. I've now taken it as the norm. Um, you know, and, and the fact is, is that when, when you consider, you know, even simple things like, you know, deja vu and dreams, you know, science can't explain how that works. And yet every single person on the planet has explained, you know, has, has experienced that. So, you know, so who's right, science or everyone on the planet ever? So I think we're in the majority there. Um, I think that we can sometimes fall over when we try to explain something that is unexplainable in terms that are largely earth-based when, you know, when these things are actually not in the same dimension. They certainly can't be viewed in the same dimension. So all I can say, and I know it's different for everybody else, is that I have had remarkable, profound spiritual experiences that I cannot explain for the life of me in normal scientific or accepted terms but they are my experiences and they're real for me so I have to honor that Um, I have found that when I work within that process that my mind becomes sharper Uh, my illumination on the uh, things in hand become brighter I have an instinct 
Um, and it's, I believe it's this that allows me to, to speak clearer to people, to be able to work with people in a much more profound way rather than just ticking the boxes and going through a, like a linear uh, book style learning, which I don't think really, you know, um, most of our learning when we're a child um, is done through imagination. Um, you know, not through, you know, book learning, obviously, you know, that's our formative years. You say about inspiration, obviously the word inspire and spire comes from, you know, the spire of a cathedral reaching up towards, you know, spirit. Obviously spire is part of spirit, spiritus sanctum, you know, and, uh, and when we aspire to something, we're rising higher. When we... <clears throat> You know, spire comes from aspiration to be able to to breathe the breath of life to speak. So, so when you're talking about inspiration, the way I look at it, it's it's uh, our words come from our ability to have that aspiration, that the breath of life, and in breathing life, we we breathe inspiration, and our words, you know, create that within other people. And our words create images, they create feelings, they create experiences that other people can then link into. And, and all of a sudden now you have this empathetic response where, where people are reading your book and they feel that they're there or you're giving a lecture and they, and you, they feel that the, the message that you're, you know, you're giving inspirationally is affecting them personally in that moment, even though there may be a thousand people in the room. So, so I feel that that is a very broad understanding of what it is, but it is, it, it's, to me, it is the, the holiness of that breath. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Simon Treslian. He is here visiting us at, in Malibu today, live, and he is a special ops former, what would you call yourself, Secret Service agent? Not Ned? Secret Service, no. I was, I was a Special Forces. Um, yeah, I was a covert operations specialist for the um, uh, British military intelligence and Special Forces. Covert, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it's hidden from you. <laughs> We'll be right back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter. Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God, these healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com. 
You voted show host Winifred Adams Writer of the Year for her Making Life Brighter consciousness columns, Entertainer of the Year two years running for her Making Life Brighter radio show, and Humanitarian of the Year for the third year running for her healing work and work at John of God. Medical intuitive and host of the Voice America Making Life Brighter radio show, Winifred Adams is your resource for wellness and consciousness training. A master healer for 20 years with a worldwide and celebrity clientele, Winifred uses her unique gifts to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to makinglifebrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're here today with Simon Trezelian, and he is a covert operations specialist. He's here today, and he is uh, he's spent his life in the military world. However, he has also now transformed that, after retiring, into sort of a, a spiritual, inspirational warrior world. And he's taking his profound knowledge and experience and transferring it into that which can help people around the world find more structure, more uh, inspiration to whom they really are and what it is that their purpose is and fulfilling their purpose as well. Let's talk a little bit about your seminars and what you do. Well, when I first got out of the military, I decided to go totally against um, that. I mean, I mean, essentially, the, the last duties I had, I was... I was um, uh, I was debriefing victims of torture and refugees, so I saw a lot of really, really deep stuff, and I was able at, at a at a level to be able to repair some of the damage that was done, both emotionally and and mentally, and sometimes physically. And 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 the experiences I had there really allowed me to see that I had a bit of a higher calling. So I decided that I was going to enhance people's lives and I wanted to enhance them in a way that had, that mine had been enhanced. And that involves a lot of openness and going to areas where energy abounds. And you know, obviously there's a lot of sacred sites that have been recognized for millennia all over the world. So I began um, a series of seminars 
and trainings and masteries to take people into utilizing some of the selection processes that I'd been through, but in sacred sites. So we'd be looking at places like Machu Picchu and the pyramids of Egypt and Uluru in Australia, Glastonbury in England. And, and I found that these vortex sites would actually shift people on a core level and allow them to open their minds to new possibilities where new experiences can come in. And all of a sudden now they're seeing themselves in a different light. So after a while, I realized that the two elements of me, this dichotomy of this, you know, special forces warrior and this, you know, spiritual teacher, um, were not necessarily too far away. They were on different parts of the spectrum, but it was still the spectrum. So I decided to link them together and, and I brought in this concept of this spiritual warrior so that people could use the structure, uh, the courage and, and all of the discipline of the warrior at the same time, melding that with the openness and the sensitivity and the beauty of, of the spirit. So that's what I did. And, um, and taking people on these mastery journeys was uh, just as much as a mastery for me. I was learning on every, every single time. And, and I found that it refined my understanding of what the world actually was, uh, as opposed to this story that we tell ourselves that it is. Um, so that became very, very fulfilling for me. Uh, and I found that after a while, I was training more, more and more masters, and these masters were going out and taking my work and exp you know, expand, expanding it to other people, and, and therefore it was doing my job for me. So after a while, I started teaching only masters and allowing my masters to, uh, uh, to teach everybody else. So that was great, and it was so good to see them stepping up um, you know, no one wants to be the guru, you know, I should say guru stands for G, U R U, um, And that uh, it was this, this form which actually allowed me to, to, to become better in myself. I'm a great believer in that a great master is not denoted by how many students he has, uh, but how many masters he's created. I think that sums it up right there, that last sentence. That's amazing. Now, you've taken these these people around and, and others have been inspired to become a master. Of, of the people that you've trained, what do you see now as time has gone on and how they've carried that forward themselves? That's, a, that's an interesting one because I've seen some people that have, their lives have changed so dramatically uh, that they've become... I mean, quite remarkable. I mean, I mean, real thought leaders, um, people that are actually creating massive change. Uh, and yet I've seen some people that fall back into the old paradigm of things where it's almost that they believe they didn't deserve it. Uh, so it's really interesting. Mastery is not something that you get in, in, a, in a course and then a certificate and then that's it. Mastery is something that needs to be uh, evolved. It needs to be worked on. It needs to be developed. Uh, and you have to keep working at it. Uh, it's, it's like, I suppose it's like a marriage or a relationship. It's a relationship that you have with you. And it's a relationship that you actually have with spirit as well. And perhaps your own higher self. 
um, you have to keep that relationship moving. You have to keep it fresh. Uh, you have to keep it challenged. It's like pumping a muscle. You don't just go to the gym one week and that's it done. You know, you have to have constant and never-ending improvement. And that's both physically, mentally and emotionally. You know, you have to do this. And of course, spiritually, you have to continue to move those muscles because only then will they develop and allow the flexibility for you to have your life guided with a purpose. Well, you know discipline and mastery well, and this is something that we've addressed many, many times on this show from Olympic athletes on through experts in their field. What is it that underneath that that driving discipline, what is it? And there's something to passion toward an endeavor as well. So when you're passionate toward an endeavor, you're more apt to follow the discipline to get there. What is something that you're passionate about right now where you continually keep improving you in order to master the next thing? You know what it is? As I've, as I've become older, I realize that the clock is ticking down. You know, no matter how, you know, how much I go to the gym and how good my nutrition is, you know, they often say that good health is the slowest rate at which one can die. You know, so, um, you know, we're all on a clock here. Um, and, and at that stage, you've got to realize how you're going to do the rest of your life. It becomes more concentrated. The, the stakes are higher. The stakes are certainly higher for me than, than, than they were in my 20s. So therefore, everything I say, everything I do, every action that I take has to have some degree of power, of gravitas, of of reality, you know, I, I, I've got to make things right. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're only given so much, so much life, so many, so many heartbeats. Uh, you know, and it's the big leveler. We all have the same time. You know, a person that is sitting there on a street homeless has exactly the same amount of time as an entrepreneur who's trying to change the world, you know. It's what we choose to do with our time that is most important. Uh, and I think that's where my passion is right now. You know, every um, every meeting I take, um, every conversation that I have, uh, every relationship that I wish to explore has to have value in the long-term scheme of things for me now because it's important. Uh, and therefore, you know, Coming to see you today is indicative of that. Oh, thank I see you. that as important. Okay. Uh, and it gets me towards where I want to be. And my passion right now is to create as much irreversible positive social change within my lifetime that is left to me as I can. And I will do that through any medium that is available to me. And whether that is a spoken word, whether it's a written word, whether that's films, whether that's TV, you know, everything is valid providing people are impacted um, by what I have achieved. Well, you have certainly achieved quite a bit, and you continue to achieve. You have a program that helps children, and, and you go in and you help stop child trafficking. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was the uh, I was the director of of Grey Man in Australia, which is a, a what we call a hard rescue charity. So by hard rescue, I mean that we were we were the guys that go in there, you know, break down the doors and take the kids away. So we're, we're not a welfare organisation. You know, all of our guys were former special forces, law enforcement. Uh, we would find out who the bad boys were, um, get there, find out where the children were and take them away and put them into areas of safety. And, that, and that's what we did for a number of years. We're looking to um, create a new charity over here in, in the US 
uh, called Grey Guardians. So I'm very passionate about that. And it goes back to what I was saying about warriors being the custodians and the helpers of people that cannot necessarily help themselves through no, you know, through no fault of their own. You know, we're like the, I suppose, the old grail knights riding around the countryside looking for stuff to get involved with that makes lives, lives better. And, and I think as children, you know, they lack the skills, they lack the, the strength, they lack the experience. And, and therefore, they are the most vulnerable people in our society. They can be exploited very, very easily and are. Uh, and I know there's a lot of rhetoric around the, around the, the moment and a lot of it's being used for political capital. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that children are our future. And that is just a fact of life. And if they grow up thinking that they're victims, that they're being abused, they will become the abusers. They will become the problem. And therefore, we need to be able to love our children and give them a loving and nurturing environment so that they can grow and develop into adults that will take our legacy on or not. I think that's beautiful. And congratulations to you for doing such beautiful work for our world because you know, taking a situation of, of militaristic operation and turning it into something that translates into what I'll call civilian world so well is a beautiful transition. So I, I'm very humbled by sitting down to talk with you today. I, I'm learning a lot as we go, and there's so much that you're offering our world. And taking the skills that you had and moving them into a position like this where you can really impact people all over. Look at the things that you're doing in, in your seminars and your writing and soon-to-be movies as well. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I had the privilege, I think, of leading some of the most remarkable people in the most extreme of circumstances uh, to produce extraordinary results. Uh, and, and that's what I did for, for a lot of years. And, and everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves to be extraordinary. Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God, these healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com. 
You voted show host Winifred Adams Writer of the Year for her Making Life Brighter Consciousness Columns, Entertainer of the Year two years running for her Making Life Brighter radio show, and Humanitarian of the Year for the third year running for her healing work and work at John of God. Medical intuitive and host of the Voice America Making Life Brighter radio show, Winifred Adams is your resource for wellness and consciousness training. A master healer for 20 years with a worldwide and celebrity clientele, Winifred uses her unique gifts to to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and if you would like to check out the archive of this show, you can always go to makinglifebrighter.com and find it there. You can email me at radio at makinglifebrighter.com, and today we are sitting down with special guest Simon Treslian, and he is a former... Covert Ops Specialist. We get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and he is an author. He is uh, a inspired, inspirational warrior, and he's on the path of not only helping humanity, but inspiring people creatively through his work and his writing. So tell us more about your books. Let us, let us know what it is you're working on. Um, well, as I said, I, I flunked English at school, so I never really thought that I'd be writing a book. And everyone was always saying, oh, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I, and I never quite got around to it. And then, um, interestingly enough, and, and again, I'm a very grounded sort of guy, okay? So I, I, I deal with what is real. And yet, I, in 2008, at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning on the 31st of December, I was woken up by this big booming voice in my head, uh, which said, if you want to get up now, here's the book. Uh, if you want to go back to sleep, then the book will be gone. And I thought, what the hell? I couldn't tell whether it was male or female. It was a very profound voice. I was wondering if I'd been drinking the night before. But uh, I looked down at the bottom of my bed and, and literally it was this like seven-foot angelic form standing at the bottom of my bed. No, no head, uh, wings, and I mean, quite a remarkable sight, which then disappeared. Um, so curious now, I actually got out of bed, went into the computer room and said, come on then, let's do this. 
And literally five and a half hours later, without any break whatsoever, uh, I had 70 post-it notes on the on the ground, all beginning with the letter C. And um, I had the whole book down on computer. And it was quite remarkable. Um, and so profound, a, a, I mean, it wasn't just like a an unreal thing, like a vision. I mean, this was now tangible. I had 70 principles, all beginning with the letter C, that were, were, were everything to do with my work. And uh, a few days later, I actually found out what this angelic form was. Um, my One of my friends had a statue of a, a new statue on a mantelpiece. And it's Nike's, the angel of victory, which I thought was profound because especially if, if, a, if an angel was going to speak to a warrior, then Nike, uh, which is where we get the shoes from, and the swoosh on the Nike shoes is actually the wings of Nike. I didn't know that until I did some research. Uh, but Nike was the uh, the angel that came down onto the prows of the ships on the Battle of Plataea after the Spartans had been killed at Thermopylae and rallied the Greeks against the Assyrian Empire. And that's what created democracy and, of course, the written language. So I thought it was pertinent. And, and this type of thought form, um, this psychosis, if you want to call it, has been with me ever since. And I can now write 1,100 words an hour, usually without error. So there is something there that is, is I, I honour it, um, and it's always been a part of that spiritual um, background that I alluded to. There are, there are very strange things that happen in this world, you know, um, and I think if we embrace them as opposed to ignore them, uh, we can create so much beauty. I mean, I, I know that um, Beethoven, and far be it from me to you know, presume that I'm anything like Beethoven, but Beethoven was stone deaf. And he said, all I have to do is write it down. He was stone deaf when he wrote his music. <laughs> How does that happen? How does that work? I can't even write music and I can hear perfectly. So, so I have to admit and I have to accept that there are strange things that happen in this world. And even as an interrogator, as an investigator, I found that I was able to tap into things that I knew were wrong. You know, hackles would come up on my neck. And I, you know, and we've all had that experience. We've all had the experience of goosebumps. And, and so many times we, we stop and we, and we refuse to listen. And I think that we need to listen more. You know, it's not that we should live in this world less, but we should live in both worlds more. And once you start to embrace this, these gifts that I can see that come from spirit, you can then create so much more. And, and we know, and, and you'll know, obviously, as a musician, that there is, and any artist, whether it's a, a, a painter or a musician, anyone that creates... Science will tell you there is no part of the brain where this magical stuff exists that just then seems to pour out onto paper. It doesn't exist in your brain. It comes through your brain. So the question is, from where? From whom? Where does this stuff come from? And, and it's, it's, the, it's the question. It's the elephant in the room. What, what's creators. the answer? Yeah, exactly. It's the elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about it because as soon as you, you start to say, it's this, mm -hmm. then you're making a, a, a theological statement, which may or may not be correct. It may or may not infuriate someone else's view of the world. So people simply don't talk about it. You know, and I, and I think as kids, we, you know, uh, you know, we have these things. We have these mystical, um, you know, secret 
relationships and imaginary and the, the friends. People, yes, the people in the room that we talk to, and certainly we can see them. Why yeah. can't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How do we shut that and down? And then after a while, you get into this thing and think, ah, but it comes down to approval then. So if, if my approval rating is based upon what other people think that I'm an ordinary person, and they just put you into this mediocre box so that everyone else can feel comfortable about you. Well, I am over that. And I've been over that for a long time. So I don't actually give a damn what people think anymore. I go, right, I, my values are good. My intentions are good. You know, I'm, I'm a good person. I've been involved in some interesting, you know, gray areas of life. But I know that it's for the, for the good and benefit of everyone eventually. We all make mistakes. You know, I think it was Shakespeare that said to err is human, you know, to forgive is divine. You know, we need to be more forgiving of ourselves um, because sometimes we can act really dumb considering that we're the primary species on this earth. You know, considering what we do to this earth, what we do to the animals on this earth, you know, it it makes you wonder whether we actually see ourselves as true custodians or whether we see ourselves going to be here for a long time to come. The only way we see ourselves now is through a selfie. Yeah, and I think that's really unfortunate. You know, people are losing so much of the beauty of this world and the relationships and the interaction with people. Um, you know, it will be a shame for that to, you know, for our children and our children's children not to experience that. Well, how can people find you? What's the best way that they can experience you? Oh, well, I'm all over the net. Um, my, my company is called Starfire. So uh, I have Starfire US, Starfire Australia and StarfireUK.com. Um, I also, we're just about to redo the new website, which will be simontrezellian.com. So uh, I'm easily found on Google. Um, always come and join me on Facebook. We're about to embark on a new way of uh, communicating our, our skill sets and part of that's going to be with the books and the films um, but yeah there, there's going to be a very very big push now uh, on social media and simontrezellian.com uh, when that's up and running you know people will better find us pretty pretty easily this is fascinating well thank you so much for coming i ask everybody one question what makes your life brighter um knowing that my purpose affects other people positively. That's beautiful. There you have it, Simon Trezellian, and you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Check out the outtake on makinglifebrighter.com. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go Jolly! This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.